Well, hello everyone. My name is Mike Decker and I am broadcasting from Costa Mesa, California from my living room here in our home. For those of you who are regular kind of viewers, you know that for the last several weeks I've been in the kitchen. <laughs> I've now graduated to the living room, so you'll have to let me know uh, what, uh, what you think, which room you like better. But all that to say, welcome. Uh, welcome to the Decker home and thank you for tuning in. As many of you know, uh, we are in this series called Words, W-O-R-D-S, Words. And today in our conversation, there are two words that I want you to consider. And so whether you're taking notes in written form or if you have our Palm Harvest app that you've downloaded to your, you know, your phone or to your iPad, uh, write this down. The words are security and choice. Security and choice. Now I want you to think, uh, where in your life do you gain security, right? What are those things in your life that help you feel safe? Sometimes a, an easy way to identify what that is, is to ask yourself, if I were to remove something from my life, if such and such would be taken out of my life, how would that make me feel? For example, uh, how many of you have ever lost a job? Maybe you've been fired, maybe you've just been, simply been laid off, maybe you find yourself suddenly unemployed. Um, how has that made you feel? You know, right now when we, when we read the news reports, we know that as a result of COVID-19, this season that we're in, you know, the, un, the current unemployment statistic is just, it, it's, it's, it's screaming up, right? Just the month of April alone, we've seen the unemployment grow from 15 15.3 million uh, people to suddenly 23.1 million people, all out of work. How many of you find security in your work? Or uh, how would you feel if the government sudden, suddenly told those of you who are on Social Security that this is the last month that you're going to get a Social Security check? Would that rock any of you? You know, would that upset any of you? Or what if your employer came to you tomorrow and notified you that your pension fund that you've been giving your hard-earned cash to has suddenly gone bankrupt? Would that concern any of you? Or what if you go to the doctor for your annual physical and she or he tells you that you have cancer? Or you come home from your work or day's activities and your spouse tells you that she or he is now leaving you for somebody else, that they want a divorce. Would that rock your world? What do you lean on for security? And more importantly, how does your faith in God support and guide you through all of these transitions? Well, that's what we're going to kind of unpack together today. And the big idea of our conversation, again, if you're writing, taking notes, or if you have your app, it's this. And that is, friends face faith challenges together. It's kind of a tongue twister, but let me say it again. Friends face faith challenges together. You know, when we face challenges in our life, 
when the rug is pulled out from underneath us, when we are blindsided maybe by outside sources, I want to suggest that in times like that, our faith in God is often tested. Is it, is it not? Would you agree with me? I also want to submit to you today is that the Bible also teaches us that friends hold each other up during those times of testing. That friends face faith challenges together. And so if you have a Bible with you, whether it's in digital or in written form, I want you to turn to the book of Daniel chapter 3. Now, Daniel's kind of a hard book to find. It's found in the Old Testament, the first part of, of our Bible. If you, you know, if you open your Bible up kind of to the middle, a lot of you will land in the book of Psalms or Proverbs. And then if you just go back a few pages, you'll find Jer Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then you'll land on Daniel. He's one of the, known as one of the big prophets in, in Scripture. And in Daniel chapter 3, we're going to read a, a story. It's a fairly long story, but it's an entertaining story, uh, if you're familiar with it, that tells us about, describes an experience in the life of, of three friends. And these friends, as we are going to see here, as we unpack it together, we're going to see how as their faith in God is tested, that they support each other. And so I just want to say to those of you who are tuning in, if you feel like your life right now is in a season of being tested, you know, then maybe that you know, you've had kind of some surprises come your way, then there's a strong chance that the message that God has given me today might just be for you. And it certainly is for me. So I can't wait to see what God has to say to both of us. So let's pray, let's ask God for his help as we unpack this story, and then we're gonna dive right in. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, today as we gather across the globe, we invite you through your Holy Spirit to teach us, to refresh us, to renew us, God, to strengthen us. As we look to your word, and specifically, God, as we look into Daniel chapter 3, and as we look and read the story of three friends, I pray that you will give each one of us something that we can hold on to and apply in our life this week. I thank you in advance because I believe you're going to make it happen. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. All right, let's dive in. Daniel chapter 3. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation for those of you who are interested. And we're going to start reading at verse 1. Ready? Here we go. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and nine feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now let's stop there for a second. Babylon, as many of you familiar with history, know that they were the king of the hill. Babylon, the Babylonian nation, was at the top of the food chain. They are, were notoriously known to be a warring nation they had armies that were staffed with ruthless uh, warriors. They would, I mean, they would skin their victims alive. They would put their victims on stakes and they would burn them like a, a weenie roast at the beach or a, you know, a marshmallow roast in your backyard. They were comprised of a mean and nasty nation of, of fighters. 
The Babylonians were notorious for defeating their enemies, and then as many was the case in, in most cases, they would confiscate anything of value from that nation that they defeated. They would then turn their captives into slaves, and leading the Babylon, Babylonian nation here in, in Daniel chapter 3 is a king whose name is told us to be Nebuchadnezzar. Now again, for you history buffs, you know that as a military man, Nebuchadnezzar was a brilliant general. And then after his dad died and Nebuchadnezzar ascended to the throne, he was renowned for his international, really diplomacy, for his capacity to get these nations to coalesce and, and work together. Much like King Solomon uh, from the, the history of the Jews, Nebuchadnezzar was this architect and he was this planner and he was prominently known for his grandiose construction projects. And so here in the history, really, when you, when you study the history of the Babylonians, there was probably only one king who was maybe more prominently known and respected than Nebuchadnezzar, and that was who? Anybody know? It was his dad, because his dad was the founder of Babylon. And so what I want you to grasp as we read this story is here we have this king that really has no equal. And we read here in verse 1 that he makes this gold statue, nine football hoops tall, 90 feet tall, nine feet wide. I don't know if it was a, a, a replica of his kind of his face. It probably was. I suspect it was because that's what kind of a king he was. Super powerful. Okay, you got that in your mind? Here we go. Verse 2. So he sets up this 90 foot statue, right? Verse 2. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, government advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he has set up. So clearly Nebuchadnezzar has vast properties, like 90 provinces. He's got busloads of leaders all over the country, and he tells them to come for this unveiling of this special celebration. Uh, verse 3. So all these officials came and they stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So, verse 7, at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers, verse 8, went to the king and informed on the Jews, na 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 tattletale, tattletale. This is what they said, King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king, which is something you always said whenever you were in the presence of a king, long live the king, your majesty, you would treat him or her with, with tremendous respect. Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of all these instruments. Verse 11. 
That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Now here we read about three guys, three friends by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now who are they? Well, if you go back just a couple of chapters to Daniel chapter one, you will learn that these three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were teenage slaves who had been uh, had been a part of this, this uh, the defeat when Nebuchadnezzar's armies went up against the nation of, of Judah. And as part of the spoils of war, after defeating Judah, the nation of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar brought along all these captives, and out of, out of these captives, along with their friend Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar put them through kind of this series of tests, and they began to illustrate how they had this tremendous capacity. They were just brilliant thinkers. They were wise, they were super smart. God had given them this incredible intellectual proclivities to understand and explain difficult complexities. And so it's for this reason that King Nebuchadnezzar, we're told here, puts, had put them into positions of leadership over the province of Babylon. Now think about this. If King Nebuchadnezzar has like 90 nations that he can, he can put people over, you would think that if he's going to place some officials over his homeland, his home country, the very nation that his father founded, you would think that he would put the cream of the cream of the cream of the cream of the cream in positions of leadership. So I'm proposing that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are big league when it comes to their capacity. But now their faith in God, we're told here, is about to be tested. Because unlike everyone else, when the musical instruments of the kings were played, what did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not do? Well, they refused to bow down and worship the king's idol, did they not? And consequently, we read here, and not surprisingly, that King Nebuchadnezzar is angry super angry. Let's keep reading. Verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instrument. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Interesting. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Now, now this is not going well. If, you're in, if, if those of you in positions of, of authority and you challenge somebody, one of your employees or you know, your you know, subordinates with something and they come back to you and they say, listen, I don't need to defend myself. 
you're going to probably do what King Nebuchadnezzar is about to do. You're going to pop a cork, right? You're going to blow a gasket. So they say to him, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Get this. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. <laughs> right? So they're still being somewhat respectful, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, so the God we serve can save us. He will save us. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. One more verse. Verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Now listen, I want you to turn, I want you to play along with me right now. If we were in a public auditorium, I would ask you to do this, so you gotta do this. Some of you are in your pajamas, I know, still in bed. Others of you are maybe out on the back deck with friends. But I want you to turn to your neighbor right now, if you're with somebody in the room, and I want you to display to them your best distorted angry face. Like, what did King Nebuchadnezzar uh, look like when it says here he had a distorted, angry face? Okay, play along. Let's see it. <laughs> Give me a selfie. Send your selfies. Put them here on our Facebook uh, chat. I'd love to see it. Okay? Now, stay with me. Is it a bad thing or is it a good thing when a king's face is distorted with anger? Okay, with a show of hands, how many of you think it is a good thing? Or how many of you think it is a, a bad thing, right? I think we all agree that when the king's face is distorted with anger, that that is a bad thing. Now check this out, verse 19. Verse 19 is not only does tell us that not only does the king's face become distorted with rage, but we're also told that he heats the furnace seven times hotter than what? Hotter than usual. Seven times hotter than usual. Church, what does this tell us about King Nebuchadnezzar? You know what I think it tells us? I think it tells us that this is not the first time that King Nebuchadnezzar uses a furnace to try to kill people. He heats it up seven times hotter than usual. Listen, I propose to you that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had spent likely hours with the king. They knew his tendencies. And I think that they, I propose to you that they knew the risk of civil, civil, civic disobedience. I want to suggest to you that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were very much aware of the king's wrath. They were very much aware of his tendency to use a fiery furnace to punish people, to kill people, to snuff people out who disagreed with him or rebelled against him. I want to suggest to you that they knew all of that when they refused to bow down and worship his idol. And yet they chose, don't miss this, to put their faith in God anyway. So what's that tell us? Well, write this down, point number one in your notes. And that is following Jesus is not without risk. 
Brothers and sisters, particularly, let me just talk to those of you who maybe you're still seeking out what a relationship with Jesus is like and you're just on this journey of trying to understand who God is and what his calling is on his life and, and that's all great. But I need you, need you to understand that following Jesus is not without risk. Friends, there are going to be times in our life when our faith will be tested. And personally, I think that this COVID-19 season is one of those times. I pr propose to you that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were good employees. You know, they were prominent slaves who had done, did their job with tremendous proficiency, which is why they served the king at such a high level in the roles of, that they did. I mean, they served the king, his interests, wholeheartedly. I think it's safe for us to assume that they stewarded well their civic responsibilities. But when King Nebuchadnezzar set himself up, set himself up as a god, as a narcissistic leader to be worshipped, their faith emboldened them to defy and to disobey the king's edict. We kind of mentioned this last week a little bit. But it comes back to me again, church, when is it right for us to disobey our civic leaders? I mean, at what point do we as Christians, as followers of Jesus say, enough is enough. I'm not gonna play by your rules anymore. Listen, putting our faith in Jesus is not without risk, which is why friends face faith challenges together. A couple more verses and then we'll Bring this to a close, believe it or not. Verse 19. So Nebuchadnezzar, let's read it again, was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Verse 20. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Now think about this. Verse 20 tells us that King Nebuchadnezzar puts into action his strongest men to tie up these three king's advisors, Shadrach, Meshach. Why? Was King Nebuchadnezzar fearful that they would revolt and put up in a fight, up a fight? I don't think so. I mean, when they came into the king, I don't think they were being disrespectful. They acknowledged him as with the term, your majesty. Not just, not once, but twice. So why would the king employ the efforts of his strongest men? You wanna know what I think? I think the king is simply flexing his muscle. I think the king here in this showdown is puffing out his chest. You know, years ago, I can remember when President Clinton, Bill Clinton, was impeached because of his relationship with Monica Lewinsky. And when Bill, President Clinton, when he refused to leave office, no matter what the vote was, he said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving. I don't care what your vote is, I'm staying put. And when I watched all of that drama unfold, it was then, for the first time in my life, that I realized how powerful of a position 
being the president of the United States is. So you fast forward now to our current president, President Trump, and we go through this whole impeachment process. And in my, I never even watched much of it. I never even got into it. Why? Because I realized nothing was going to happen. When you get to a place of King Nebuchadnezzar, when you become the president of the United States, right or wrong, brothers and sisters, it is a powerful position. And in the same way that perhaps President Clinton and President Trump said, you know what, I'm not going anywhere. I think King Nebuchadnezzar was puffing out his chest to kind of illustrate how powerful he was, or at least how powerful he thinks he was. But brothers and sisters, what we're about to read here is that King Nebuchadnezzar is a king with a small K. Are you with me? You see, the king with a big K is the king that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego serve. It's he's the king that you and I serve. The big king, Jesus Christ, is king of over all. He is Lord of all. He is creator of all. He is the one who defeated death and, and, and defeated the devil and gives you and I the power to, 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 to have our sins forgiven. Listen, brothers and sisters, if you're going to feel a fear a king, Jesus is the one to be afraid of, not the Nebuchadnezzars in this world. Let me say that again. If you're going to be afraid of anybody, Jesus is the one to be fearful of and respectful of, not the Nebuchadnezzars in your circles. Brothers and sisters, if you are a follower of Jesus, listen to this. If you're a follower of Jesus and if you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and be the Lord of your life, you know what that means, don't you? That means that Jesus' authority is in you. For those of you familiar with the New Testament and the story of Jesus, remember how when Jesus, after he rose from the grave, he went to his disciples and he said, guys, all authority has been given to me. And now I'm giving that same authority to you. So go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. You say to that mountain, be thrown into the river, it's going to be thrown into the river or ocean. Brothers and sisters, the same authority that Jesus lived his life Why, As a follower of Christ, you and I have that same authority. And I want to remind you today that you were Jesus' ambassador. You are Jesus' representative. You and I are called by God to be missionaries in the workplace. We are called to be his hands and feet in civic circles. But recognize that being a follower of Jesus is not without risk. Because as we're going to see here in this story, God sometimes allows us to fall into the furnace. In fact, write that down. God sometimes allows us to fall into the furnace. Let's finish up our story. I'll start reading at verse 21. Follow along. Picture the scene in your mind. So they tied Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up, and they threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely died, fell into the roaring flames. Now why, is the, why are the flames roaring? You've been to a fire, you've seen flyers. When you 
throw a busload of wood onto a fire, it, it gets loud, doesn't it? It makes sounds, there's cracks, there's pops. You can hear it, it's like a furnace going off. It's a roaring flames. But suddenly, verse 24, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, bunch of wimps. <laughs> Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and he shouted. Why is he shouting? Because it's so loud. He shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Then the high officers, officials, governors, advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair in their head was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What an amazing king for him to go from a, a distorted face of anger to suddenly to recognize, whoa, there's a bigger king in this room. Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar said. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be torn, turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Church, there is no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. Now write this down, point number two in your notes. Following Jesus is a choice. Following Jesus is a choice. Choices have consequences. And as we can see here in this Bible story, sometimes those choices feel favorable and other times, not so much. But listen, one choice that you and I can all make is that we can face faith challenges together. Listen, I want to propose that the very fact that you are tuning in today suggests to me that God is at work in your life. You know, he prompted you to click on this, this digital link. And so I, I, I don't know what, what furnaces you are facing right now. I don't know if you're looking at a furnace. I don't know if you've fallen into a furnace, but this is what I do know and this is what I believe and this is what I invite you to believe is that you're not alone. You may feel like you're alone and certainly the devil wants you to feel like you're alone. But friends, again, the fact that you were tuning in today and hearing me say these words, maybe just for you alone, it tells me that God's eyes are on you. 
Listen, brothers and sisters, God is for you. And he is with you even when you and I are thrown into the furnace. Listen, if you've been thrown into the furnace, would you please take our, take the Bible app here, you know, open it up and, and, and go to the prayer thing, click on that and fill out a prayer request and immediately it will be sent to me and a busload my lead team here in Costa Mesa. And we have an entire group of people who wants to pray with you, not for you. No, we want to pray with you. We want to walk with you. We want to step through life together. Why? Because that's what friends do. Friends face faith challenges together. Who upon whom are you placing your security? You know, are you looking to the government to somehow bail you out? Are you looking to the local kings of this land to somehow remedy your situation? Or will you, it's a choice, will you choose to put your faith in God? And will you choose to share your furnace burden with others? And will you choose to be a friend who steps into the furnace with others, who stands with and faces together life's faith challenges? Listen, I want to thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of my church family. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for engaging. Because as you know, and we talk about all the time, the church is, is people. The church is not a building. It's people. It's you and me, which is why we can meet together, even in something like this, all across the globe. As friends, we can stand with each other through this COVID-19 season. Yes? Yes. So let's pray, pray a final prayer. Would you pray with me? Would you just open the palms of your hands if you feel comfortable doing that? And just pray this prayer in your heart. Heavenly Father, thank you for this Bible story that reminds me of the truth that you are with me and that you are watching over me. And I pray, Lord, Heavenly Father, that you would help me to be the kind of friend like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who can face faith challenges with those in my circles of influence. God, help me to be a friend who keeps his eyes or her eyes on you. And for those of you who might be in the furnace right now, again, with palms open, heart open, mind open, would you say, God, would you strengthen me? And would you send your angels to guide and protect me? Even today, God, would you just intersect my life in some way to remind me, even as now as Pastor Mike is talking, to remind me that I'm not alone. Father, I thank you that we can trust you. And I thank you that through your Holy Spirit, we can live our lives with kingdom authority. So I pray that you would pour out your favor upon every viewer today, upon every listener today. 
And God, that you would increase our faith and that you would help us to find our security in you and to be a friend who faces faith challenges with others. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, yes? And everybody said, amen. Listen again, I wanna thank you for tuning in. And here in like 30 seconds, David and our Palm Harvest worship team are gonna lead us in a song called King of My Heart. I was asking David this last week as they were preparing for this song, I said, hey David, um, is there a line or two in this song that you know kind of captures your attention? And he said, yeah, there's really, Mike, there's really kind of two, two lines. He said, one is the, is the line that says, you are good. And, and I just say to you that as you sing this song and as I sing this song with you and together we lift our voices to the Lord today, that when you get to that phrase, you are good, that you would declare that truth in your heart. That no matter whether you're in the furnace or you're looking out of the furnace or out of the furnace, wherever you are, you would just claim in that song, God, you are good. I said, well, what's the second line? He said, there's a, this line, he says, it, he says it's never, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let me down. As you sing that, this, that verse and you hit that line, claim that truth, brothers and sisters, in your heart. God, you're, you are good and you're never gonna let me down. So here's the invitation. Where is God inviting you to trust him? Where is God inviting you to hold on to him? Friends, God can be trusted. And if you're watching today and if you've never given your heart to Jesus, I would encourage you to do so even as we sing this next song. Just to say, Jesus, as much as I know how, which may not be much, as much as I know about you, which may not be much, I'm coming to you, to you in faith. And I'm asking you, Jesus, to forgive my sin, to wash me clean, and begin to work in my life and help make me, inform me, and transform me into the person you want me to be. God, help me to be a friend who faces challenges with others. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I'll see you next week.